What a good, good day. So excited to be able to share this day with you and uh, just to be able to, man, just great worship, wasn't it? Wasn't that fun today? Just let's just celebrate the team. Tell them thanks. Great stuff. You know what? One of the things that we want to talk about today is uh, to take hold of what you've got. Now, what I mean by that is there are so many things, if you will, that sometimes we forget to take hold of those things that matter the most, don't we? That we get so busy, wrapped up in this life, we, we start making, uh, um, we, we start going through our to-do list, and before we know it, we think about things at the end of the day, and we realize we've taken for granted so many things. I just want to go through some pictures here. Maybe it'll help us kind of walk through this a little bit. One of the things that I, I've tried to not forget is how important uh, my, our grandchildren are. We were just with them yesterday. I'm still recovering today. But, you know, we, we take for granted. I mean, look, how bad is crack daddies on a Saturday morning? You know, let's be honest. Would we go right now if we could? I mean, we would. Let's go to the next one. You know, we went to, a, I remember times that we go with our grandchildren to a, to a petting zoo. Uh, Jerry and Charlie were gracious enough to let us do that. And here's a goat taking a bite out of something that he shouldn't have. And then a little bit later on that day, we went to visit a distant relative. Sorry. That, <laughs> That's, that's, that's my side of the family, by the way. That's, that's not Ellen's. And then, you know what? I try never to forget the love of my life, uh, that I can't believe this gift God gave me. And I'm grateful for that. Or being with family on Thanksgiving and just eating and laughing together and enjoying that moment, but taking time, taking time to celebrate that. And then I think about those times when I'm back on the farm. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm a different person on the farm. This is crazy, but Ellen tells me, when I drive in the driveway, I become a different person. It gives me life. This is, this is our sweet spot. Trust me, this is our sweet spot. We go back uh, with Ty living there now. It's just kind of fun. This is my brother, Danny. Some of you got to meet him, but uh, we're super close. My, uh, my sister, Awana, she just never <laughs> comes up here. Uh, but Danny is uh, close. Oh, listen, a 74 Nova Super Sport. <sighs> I could kick myself for selling it. I mean, I sold out. I wish so badly I had it now. I had thrush outsiders. I had air shocks on the back, four-speed, four-speed, uh, four 354 barrel. Guys, are you, are you moaning with me here? I mean, I'm, I just, oh, and looking, fried green tomatoes. I'm sorry. You talk about something you just need to cherish every time you have the opportunity to have them. These are men that I have shared ministry with almost 40 years that are some of my dearest friends that I love unbelievably, and I, I try not to forget. This is, this is to remind me of the tornado that went through Pendleton, and Allison and I were working on this. Uh, we went with a crew to help clean up, and I'm still awed today. I'm still awed today that we didn't lose a life, and I'm grateful, but this reminds me of that, this picture does, and this is my mom and dad. Uh, whew. They were the rocks of my life. And the finest people of faith I ever knew. I'm grateful for that. This is the day we signed the papers that Blue Falls became ours. I keep that picture to remind me of God's faithfulness. This next one is the first time we set up service in this room. And I keep that to remind me of that day. The next one is, this is... Just to remind me that I get to share this ministry with really good people. This, these were our elders at that point. And then the last, this next one is to remind me of dear friends that have passed, but are in eternity now. 
And I'm grateful for that. And this, this is to remind me of you. This is to remind me that I get to pastor some of the greatest people in the world. And I don't ever want to take you for granted. You know what? Sometimes in our life, sometimes life has the capacity to remind us, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it? To remind us of the realization that sometimes we take some wonderful things for granted, some blessings in our lives. I mean, too often we're left with this thought, and, and I wrote this. I said, if only I could go back and do things differently, listen to these things. I would love more, I'd work less. I'd listen more, I'd talk less. I would shout less, and I would give more. I'm sorry, I would talk more and shout less, and I would give more and take less. And then the phrase, if only I could. Too often, too often, friends, we let things pass without taking a hold of those. And Paul speaks to that in 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, in verse 13. He, he wants us to understand, he wants the Thessalonians to understand that there's something that they never need to take for granted, and that is God's word that he has shared with them. Let's just read verse 13 together, can we? And we also thank God continually. You can read with me. That's what that means. Let's sing. Let's read it. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Now, let's just ask four questions as we work through this process. The first one is this. Why does Paul thank God for the belief of the Thessalonians? And I want to tell you why. Because the Thessalonians had taken a hold of what had been given to them. They were not callous. They were not casual with it in their treatment of God's word that had been shared with them. No. On the contrary, Paul says this. He says, you receive it and accept it, not as the word, is meant, not as the word of men. Now, notice what he's phrasing there. There's a, there's a good and there's a bad. When we think that it's just something casual, he says, but what we have to understand here, it's not common. It's not every day. This is something that is not without great importance. As one scholar wrote, he said, the, the Thessalonians didn't receive and accept them as words that come from the outgrowth of someone's personal philosophical meanderings. And we all have those from time to time. Or words of no great worth of something. No, he says... You received and accepted them as something much more. The words mean you, you received them with wholehearted acceptance. It means that you welcomed them with a high estimate of what they were. They, you gave to them high value that should be placed on them. You see, we need to understand something here because we need to remind ourselves that when the Thessalonians received faith, friends, please hear me, there was no great thunderous applause for them. There was no one standing in the corner with them saying, oh, wow, way to go, way to go. Please hear me. The first thing that they felt was intense and great persecution for their faith. Their businesses would go broke. People would be beaten. I mean, at every turn, they received no adulation for this, but just persecution. And Paul said, I want to tell you something. It's amazing to me that even what you've gone through, you have held to the word. You valued it. You esteemed it to such a degree that it is the thing that you have taken a hold of. It's the thing that you have clung to. It's not something that we would receive and say, oh, it's nice. 
while already beginning to place it aside. We do that so much in our lives. You know, I watch our grandchildren, and I watch them play with new toys for about 30 minutes, and then they shift them aside, and they go to something else. No, the Thessalonians held it close. They took hold of it because of the value that they believed it held for them. And that's that focus that we want to take advantage of. You know, when we talk about read scripture and while we're reading through the Bible in one year, the, the reality of it is we believe it has value for our lives. We believe that it matters. We believe that it has substance, that it has a weightiness to it. Now, I want to I say something here because I, I think it's important. Please understand that the basis, the foundation of mind in your relationship of Jesus Christ is based on our reception to the authority of the Bible and our belief in the Lordship of Jesus. I mean by that, that we believe Jesus is who the Bible said that he was. I promise you, salvation is impossible without it. We believe he is the Savior of the world. And because of that, we also believe that when we gather in this place, please hear me, when we gather in this place, we believe the incarnate presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit gathers with us. That means that we, like the Thessalonians, we have to not take this for granted. We should esteem this privilege, if you will. We should place a high value on coming together because we know that God himself meets with us. We need to take hold of it and all that it holds for us. Now, sometimes, you know, what I find uh, in our culture today, especially, uh, we struggle with the authority of God's word. But the truth is, we just struggle with authority. Now, now please hear me say this. And, and for some, you know, as I talk to people about this and work through with people about this, what I find is that in their story somewhere, that authority has been abused in their life. And so for them, it's hard to just not associate that abuse with the authority of God's Word. And what we find is that those stories of the past are still hindering them from finding some kind of peace with that in the present. And it's one of the things that I, that I hold so dearly to and so strongly to, and I, and I want to tell you why. Because when you and I will withdraw from that type of authority for God's Word, what we're doing then is we're replacing the infallible of God with the most fallible thing that we can find, and that's ourselves. You see, we begin to determine what has value and what doesn't. We begin to say, no, this is right, not this. And pretty soon what we do is the Bible is, is a wonderful thing to read. It's, it's good to get some, some real encouragement from the Psalms. It's good to hear Paul's words about, hey, don't be angry, but in forgiveness. But I want to tell you something. There's something, there's something about understanding the authority of God's word in the wholeness of what it is and what it brings to our lives. And having a sense of that security, that living hope that we talked about a little bit earlier, that living hope is based on the fact that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, that the Holy Spirit lives inside us, and the reality of it is that one day we will spend eternity with him. That is based on the authority of God's word. And so what we have to understand here is that we esteem this. We have high value for it. And it's not like we just, we just ignore other things. But there is a basis there is a foundation on the strength of the word. Now here's the second question. So how did they receive it and accept it? And notice what the other part of verse 13 says. And they received it and accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is. And notice Paul's word. 
the very word of God. He says, as it actually is. You see, Paul's intent here is to remind the Thessalonians for them to realize that these words that we read, these words that we study are not simply a collection or a writing of words. Paul says, I want you to know something. They have been shared with us as the very word of God. They are words of substance. They carry with them a divine power. When you and I read the word, what happens? We have a divine encounter with the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16 just says it this way. All scripture is God-breathed. I love that phrase. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true. It's not for you and I to define that. God's word helps us define that. So when the word of God is spoken, notice what it says. God's breath is breathed with them. His spirit goes forth with them. His promises take hold with them. And his power enters those situations and circumstances of our lives when we call on those words. Paul's words, even though shared through a very human vessel, they were the word of God brought to the Thessalonians with the very power of God. And I'm going to tell you, you can't, you can't explain their salvation for any other reason. They had no background in the faith. They had no understanding of faith, most of them. And yet here it is when he shares with them the word of God, the Holy Spirit does something in their hearts that so gravitates them, so draws them to this person of Jesus that they give their lives to him. I tell you, if you want to read about that, I'm going to share this with you. One of the most powerful accounts of this, of the word of God touching a human being's life, is the conversion of the great author and the theologian R.C. Sproul. Let me just read it. He said, I'd actually gone to a church-related college, but I went on a football scholarship, not because of any interest in the church. He said, at the end of my first week, which I spent in freshman orientation, my roommate and I decided to hit some bars across the border. He said, we got to the parking lot and I realized I was out of cigarettes. So I had to go back. And when I went back into my dorm, he said, I, I got my luckies. I turned around and I saw the captain of the football team sitting at a table. And he spoke to me and my roommate and he invited us to come over and chat. And we did. He said, this was the first person I ever met in my life that talked about Jesus as a reality. I never heard anything like it. I was just absorbed, sat there for two or three hours with him. He didn't ever give me a traditional evangelism talk. He just kept talking to me about the wisdom of the word of God. He quoted to me Ecclesiastes 11.3. I promise you, friends, no one's ever been one to the Lord except for R.C. Sproul of this verse. Listen to what it says. He says, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. That's a great evangelistic verse, isn't it? <laughs> he said, I feel certain I'm the only person in church history that's been converted. But he said, God took that one verse. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. The word was alive in him. And he said, and he touched my, struck my soul with it. I saw myself as a log that was rotting in the woods and I was going nowhere. And when I left that guy's table, I went up to my room and in my room by myself in the dark, I got on my knees and I cried out to God to forgive me. You see, what, what I want us to remember is what Paul wanted the Thessalonians to remember. The word of God, whether spoken or read, 
brings with it the very power of God Himself. We should never take it for granted. We should never receive it in a so-so manner. We must receive it, as Paul says, for what it actually is. And that is the very Word of God that brings to us the very presence and the very power of God. You know, I, I, I get such encouragement from our women's Bible study and the impact it's having on different individual women's lives. All of them at different places in their faith, all of them with different stories of background. And yet what we're finding is that as most would say, this is a very simple study, but in the middle of its simplicity is the very profound power and presence of the Lord. I love the phrase that Paul uses. He says that the Word will live in us, grow in us, and this is what he says, and it will work in us. You see, when that phrase is used in the New Testament, please hear me, it's associated with a supernatural activity. It means that God's Holy Spirit works in us and through us, even by the power of His Word. And whether that be hearing the Word or reading the Word, God uses the supernatural power of His Word to work in us. Because for God, please hear me, friends, it's all about life change and life growth and life transformation. George Sanchez wrote an article that I read one time, and his, his, daughter, his, his daughter and his granddaughter had found an unbroken robin's egg in their backyard. They went online, they did some research, they found out what temperature the egg needed to be kept in. They created a cotton bowl for a nest, and there they put it under the lamp to get the temperature just right. And his daughter put a note beside the egg, and it just said this, Shh, I'm happening. Sometimes I want to wear a sign around my neck. It says, I'm happening. I wish every time you would look at me and yourself, you would say, Rollins, still happening. I'm still happening. We're not there yet. We're going to have some faults in the process. But in truth, in truth, friends, by the power of Christ, we're all happening, thank the Lord. We're all growing, we're moving. And why? Because God's word, notice what the phrase says, is at work in us. <laughs> now, how does God's word do that? And this is our last question, so we can start moving around. Hebrews 4.12, and if you don't mind, if we can pull it up. I want us to read this together. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now notice what it says. God's word is living and active. Please hear me. God's word is not passive and it's not dormant. It brings with it a dynamic quality to those who hear it and receive it. Second, it has the capacity, Paul says, to function. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says to function as a double-edged sword. That, that word can be translated as a scalpel. 
It's a scalpel that a surgeon might use, and its purpose is to penetrate, to make its way into the inner recesses of our being, not the shallow parts of who we are. And sometimes we want to live our faith in the shallow parts, but I promise you, God's Word is not satisfied with the, sh- with the shallow parts. This word literally means it, it, it breaks past a surface religion. It wants to break past a surface relationship to that true inner spiritual reality that makes us who we are. In essence, you could say this, it wants to make itself, it wants to make its way to the very core of who we are. And I want to tell you, the core of anything determines everything else about it. The sun is the core of our solar system, and it determines how all the other planets orbit and function around it. The core of an apple, please hear me, will determine how the apple is. How many of you have ever heard, rotten to the core? It's speaking about an apple. In the same way, the core of who we are, friends, is the determining factor of who we really are. Not the surface, not the pretense, not the shallowness. I tell you, sometimes when... George Guthrie once wrote, he said, we tend to think of great faith in terms of following God in the accomplishment of great deeds in this world or overcoming great obstacles. He says, yet true faith just simply begins with a face-to-face experience with God by which we journey to the inner recesses of who we are and say, God, help change us and who to who we need to be. You see, faith is more than just association, friends. Whoa, now. You see, being in a church doesn't make you and me a believer any more than sitting in a doghouse makes us a dog. Or swimming in the ocean makes us a fish. No, friends, faith in Jesus is all about personal decisions of the heart. Faith is that which touches the inner depths of you and me. It changes us inwardly so that outwardly our attitudes... Please hear me. What did Paul say? He even knows the attitudes and the thoughts of our hearts. And you want to know why? Because he doesn't want us to be satisfied there. He wants us to be open for him to change us, to renew us, to transform us. You see, here's the truth. You and I can't bluff our way out of anything with God. Because his word tells us that there are no secrets from him. He sees us as we truly are, right? God sees you and me from the inside out. And by God's word penetrating those inner regions, sometimes, let's be honest, he does for me. Sometimes he brings to me a confrontation of who I really am as compared to what I really need to be in him. His word so many times functions for me as that voice that challenges me. It corrects me. It sometimes heals me. It sometimes changes my perceptions of others. And my attitudes that I have towards others. Because I wanted you to know God's word functions with one with one overriding goal it is to move us in transformation in growth and it's to move us in life change towards Jesus you know one sad thing about 
where we are right now is that our current generation knows very little of a great saint of the faith named Mother Teresa. And, and I want you to know this is a shame because of the impact this, this very simple but powerful woman had on faith across the world. One of those moments was when she was approached by a brother in the same order who complained to her about the rules of his superior were getting in the way of his ministry of helping lepers. And he lamented to her, he said, my vocation is to work for the lepers. And she looked up in her own very frank but gracious demeanor and she gently replied, Brother, your vocation is not to work for lepers. Your vocation is to belong to Jesus. The Word of God is living and growing and working in us. And I promise you this, it calls us towards one vocation, and that is belonging and living for Jesus. Paul called it in 1 Thessalonians, living a life worthy of God. Donald McCullough wrote a great book. It's called The Trivial Trivialization of God. And he states that the greatest threat to modern Christianity is the yawn of familiarity. Reverence and awe, he says, have been replaced by a yawn. Consuming fire has been domesticated into a candle flame. Add a little bit of religious atmosphere. But there's no heat, no blinding light, no power for purification. He said it may be that our worst sin in the church has been the trivialization of God. You know what? I want to close today so that we can just hear the word of the Lord. And I want to close in a way today that we can hear other people read it and say it. Because I am believing that his word is alive and active and powerful. And I believe that when we hear it, he does a work in us. And what I'm going to ask us to do is I've had a number of folks who are ready to read this morning and they will just stand. I'm not going to call on them. They have a list. And they will just stand and read. And at that moment, I just want us to soak it in and take it. Listen. And then at the end of that, the, I'm going to invite the team to come on up. And at the end of these scriptures, we will go into a worship song. And I, I just want us to remember that it's open today. That if you'd like to pray about something, that if God moves in your heart in some way, if he convicts you, if he consoles you, if he gives you confidence, whatever. But in a way that he moves you, please know we have the ample opportunity to respond. But today, friends, today, let us hear from the word of the Lord. And I'm going to ask Vicki Wood, if she would, to stand and get us started, and then you can follow when it's your time. Thanks, Vic.
At the very inner recesses of your heart, how did God's word speak to us this morning? And this is our prayer, that in whatever way it did, that it would take a hold of us and we might take a hold of it so that we might grow more and more and more and more like Jesus every day. Amen and amen. Let's stand and worship.